There are growing international calls for Japan to fully accept responsibility for forcing women from territories it occupied during World War II to work as sex slaves serving Japanese soldiers. Leading historians put the number of women forced into sexual servitude as high as 200,000, with many coming from Korea, China, the Philippines, and a little over 2,000 from Taiwan. Today on the show, we'll be speaking to the Taipei Women's Rescue Foundation, which has dedicated itself to helping Taiwan's surviving victims cope with the trauma and is also working to pressure Japan to issue an apology and offer compensation. Earlier, I spoke with the foundation's executive director, Shu Hua Kang, to learn a little bit about the foundation's efforts. Here's our conversation.、Uh, Shu Hua, thanks so much for joining us today.、Uh, thank you. It's my pleasure to be here. Uh, so, just to start our interview, I'm hoping that、uh, you can explain a little bit about what、uh, these women went through. So, today、uh, we refer to them as、uh, comfort women, euphemistically. They were comforting the Japanese soldiers. The incident was 70 years ago, so now、uh, your organization refers to them as, as grandmothers, ama, as kind of a respectful way to refer to them. So, to start things off, can you explain、uh, who these women were at the time? Uh, how old they were, what, what, where they were coming from, and、uh, what groups they were from, and, and all that. Who, who were these women? Okay,、um, they were all from an impoverished family background, such as peasant, fishing worker, and a peddler. And they aged from 13 to 34 when they were first abducted and、uh, were enslaved between、uh, 1938 to 19. 45, either in Taiwan or e- either in Southeast Asia, and、uh, because there are Taiwanese people, Hakka people, and also Aboriginal people in Taiwan, and their situation、uh, is a little bit different. Most of the Taiwanese women they were shipped to Southeast Asia, the comfort station in Southeast Asia, but for most of the Aboriginal. Survivors, they suffering from sexual violence in Taiwan, and especially they were forced to serve Japanese soldiers stationed in Taiwan's mountainous region at that time. So the situation is a little bit different. And also, actually, the comfort women system is a large-scale organized crime during the World War Two, and especially、uh, in Taiwan, in that time, many brokers they want to serve this system. So they abduct or treat many、uh, women from the poor family background. They treat them, for example, where、well, I'm going to take you to work as a waitress or a nurse in the overseas. And because these women, they want to make a living for their life, so they believe their words. So when they went to the Southeast Asia, they finally found actually they are going to be a comfort women. And、uh, once these women were captured and 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 put into these、uh, brothels, can you tell us、uh, what what happened to them? From the survivors' oral history,、uh, they say they need to provide a sex service at least over twenty times a day, and even though they don't feel well, they still need to provide service to those soldiers. And also because of the. It's kind of overwork, so most of them have a lot of、uh, health problems. For example,、uh, a lot of grandmas they cannot give birth after they came back to Taiwan because、um, because a lot of、uh, health conditions and this kind of issue later on bring a big family tension or conflicts later on in their mar- marriage. 
Mm, because being able to give birth is really important in in Taiwanese culture. Yes, uh, not uh, as a woman, and you cannot give birth. At that time, it's kind of a big shame, and it, so the family, especially the husband or the parents-in-law, may blame this woman. So most of our comfort women they suffering from um, the poor marriage relationship, and some of them are single or divorced. Or and their family, the family relationship and life is always a big issue to them. Now, some in Japan have claimed that uh, the women that were in these brothels were in fact professional prostitutes. So, how do we know exactly what went on during the war? Is, uh, is are our records based mostly on interviews with the people who went through this, or or is there some other historical record that we can use to to know what happened to these women? Uh, we cooperate with some researchers in Taiwan, so we did the oral history from the victims. So, from the victims' uh, description, we knew a lot and get a lot of information about what they. Have been gone through during the war time, and also from some research and from some uh, historical uh, documents, either in other countries, for example, from the Japanese uh, defense library, and from other countries, we got a lot of information. So finally, we get a more clear picture about what the what happened in the past. So uh, in that Japanese defense library, uh, library, there's actual written records of, of what yes. happened? Yes. Um, uh, actually, um, um, we found three telegrams and that showed the proof that the Japanese government requested the army in Taiwan to recruit um, comfort women. Hmm. So you've already talked about this a little bit, but what can you say about uh, how this experience extended into these women's lives even after the war? Because the the, the experience as a comfort woman was was a big shame to them. So most of them uh, hide this secret even to their parents or their family, and later to their husband. It's a it's kind of trauma that's still in their heart and that has not been resolved. It's later affect their relationship with their family members, and also they don't. Most of them feel they are not worth enough, so they do not have a very um, positive relationship later on with the surrounding people. Hmm, and. So my impression is that this is something that nobody really talked about until um, kind of recently, almost even just the last twenty years or so. Right, right. Yeah, b- because uh, until nineteen ninety one, the first comfort women survivor, the Korean survivor, Jin Xue Shen, she stood forward, and then um, our foundation we think that there must be also victims in Taiwan, so we set up hotline. And then later on, we found 58 comfort women. And but um, these comfort women, we call them ama. It means grandma in Taiwanese. And most of these ama told us they never told this secret to their family members. So it's also kind of relief to be able to speak to this issue to us. It's almost hard to imagine. I mean, that's more than 40 years that these people went without ever admitting it to anybody. That's a long time to keep a secret that big. Right, and as you can imagine if it's a kind of big trauma, but you're never able to talk to any person, and you need to face the trauma by yourself. It's also a big suffering. 
so after your organization started working on this issue about 20 years ago, uh, what kind of services could you offer these women? Because it's a trauma and uh, an experience that they have never shared with anybody. So first, um, we, we want them to talk this problem out. And, and most of the victims thought it's their fault. So we told them, actually, it's not your fault, but the Japanese. Just like many uh, sexual violence victims, they blame themselves. And so uh, what we want to achieve is to restore their dignity and to love and uh, like themselves. So another issue, uh, like you've mentioned, that uh, your organization has been working on is you're hoping to pressure the Japanese government to issue an apology, uh, give compensation to these women. Um, Now, my understanding is that in uh, 1993, the Japanese government did issue an apology, and uh, there was some mechanism set up to distribute some compensation. Uh, So can you explain to us why it is that you feel that those efforts so far uh, haven't really been enough? Okay. Uh, what you mentioned is the Kono statement. And actually, it's a, a statement released by the Chief Cabinet Secretary, um, Yohai Kono. But um, uh, Kono, he did acknowledge that the Japanese government uh, have uh, either directly or indirectly involved in the recruitment system and also requested education. The Japanese government should provide any more education to acknowledge these victims' trauma experience. But however, his, de- his statement has been denied later over and over again by many Japanese conservative polit- politicians. So for Taiwan and Korea and for many survivor, surviving countries, we think it's important to have the Japanese prime minister to formally apologize um, and to acknowledge this issue. Mm. And uh, then for compensation, what kind of compensation are you hoping for? Why do, you, why do you feel like the program that they set up in the past wasn't really what you were looking for? Actually, the Asian Women's Fund was not organized by the gov- government. It really was organized by the um, private citizens. It, it's, it is because that the Japanese government, they don't want to admit that the government has involved in this system, and they don't want to uh, give the compensation directly from the government. So they want to use this uh, Asian Women's Fund as a way to compensate the victims. But what um, for Taiwan and uh, Korea, we think it's important to have a state redress, not a private redress. So during that time, Taiwan and Korea, we both have a campaign to deny the Asian Women's Fund. We request a direct compensation from the Japanese government. So I think a lot of people hearing about this, they might think, okay, well, these are horrible crimes that were committed, but this was a really long time in the past, and there's you know so many other uh, horrible crimes that are committed today. Uh, why is this the issue that you're focusing on? Why is this something that you think should be kept alive today? Actually, you are right. Sometimes many people tell us it's a, it's a, it's kind of accident happened 70 years ago. Now, how we sh- why we should care about this issue? But actually, I feel it's a, actually it's a fact that women usually are suffering from the human trafficking and sexual violence in conflicts. For example, you can see that uh, many current examples as 
are still um, happening. For example, the Islamic State militants they kidnapped and uh, sexual abuse many uh, Iraqi women. So, so, so I feel if peace is a value in this world we are looking for, then it's then we have the responsibility to let the people to remember what has happened in the past. And we we always say that history can be for given but cannot be forgotten. It's a way for us to know that a similar situation should not be happen again. Can you tell us a little bit about what the response has been from Japan so far? Uh, I mean, obviously there's a conservative government in Japan right now, but the government doesn't necessarily represent everybody. Right. So what, what, what has been your experience uh, working with Japanese people or communicating with Jap- Japanese people about this issue? I think it's a very good question because um, some people thought uh, we hate every Japanese. It's not true. Actually, um, over the past 22 years, we received many support from the Japanese citizens. And they also participate in this movement and they request their government to face this issue. So, and also, um, there's especially, especially there's a group in Tokyo. They come to Taiwan every year, every season, to participate in our workshop therapy. And uh, they have been, uh, they have become very good friends with our grandma. So, for our grandma, it's kind of, it's kind of feeling that although they cannot give get the formal apology from the Japanese government, but they do get the support from the Japanese people. So it's a, it's given them a lot of comfort, actually. All right, so uh, I'm hoping that you can tell us a little bit about an event that you're going to be holding in November. Uh, you're opening a, a, an exhibition to draw attention to some of these issues. So tell us a little bit about that event and how people can get involved. Okay. Uh, actually, it's an exhibit called One, One Heart, One Word Exhibit. Um, we, we, we want to collect 814 pictures from the general public to uh, express your thoughts or expression about uh, the Taiwanese comfort women or any or any feelings you want to express to the Japanese government. And the, re- the reason we want to collect 814 is because that uh, August 14 is the International uh, Comfort Women Memorial Day. So we want to... Um, we want to memorize this this special date, so use this exhibition to show our support to Taiwanese comfort women. Then also, it's kind of a campaign. We want to have more Taiwanese people, especially the young generation, to be able to involve in the comfort women issue. For them, this issue is kind of distant. So um, by using a creative art or exhibition, it's a way it's a new way to try to engage and communicate with the general public. So uh, I know that your organization does have a, a couple of other projects in the works. Uh, you are going to be opening up a museum next year uh, that's going to be dealing with the comfort wish- women issue, but also with other issues uh, as well. And then uh, you're also working on a documentary. So can you tell us a little bit about those projects? Because um, there are only five survivors right now in Taiwan, so we think it's very important to how to preserve the 
the documents and also the history and to show our next generation. So we have been working very hard to try to build up a comfort women's museum for the survivors and also for the public. And also we try to uh, use more, uh, use multiple ways to engage the general public and to teach them about the to educate them about the, the comfort women's history. So uh, recently we just finished another documentary, and it's a documentary talking about uh, how these comfort women, they are facing their last stage of life. And uh, it's not a documentary uh, talking about the past experience, I mean the, the experience in comfort station, but how they survive in Taiwan after uh, more than many decades and what kind of courage and uh, their, their attitude towards their life. We've been speaking to Taipei Women's Rescue Foundation Executive Director Xu Hua Kang. Xu Hua, thanks so much for joining us today. Thank you. It's my pleasure to be here to share this issue. The exhibition is set to open in late November. You can learn more about it and the documentary on the group's website, twrf.org.tw. Thanks for listening to Taiwan Talk. As always, we'd love to hear what you thought of today's program. You can leave us a comment on our Facebook page or rate and review Taiwan Talk on iTunes. For ICRT, I'm Keith Menconi.